welcome him and uh, enjoy ourselves as he shares the word. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. How are we doing? Are you up my ducks? It's so deep inside of me, I just, I just can't help it. <laughs> Four years have done a lot to me. You can continue to pray, that's, that's good. Um, when Sarah and I was praying for this weekend and just asking God, you know, what should we share? What's maybe on your heart, God, for, for, for DCC and for everybody that calls this place home? Um, we really felt that God was talking to us about the whole area of dreams. Um, and we want to speak about dreams in the next four sessions, I think we have. One now, one a bit later, one tonight, and then tomorrow morning. Um, and I would just really encourage you to maybe open your hearts and your ears to maybe what God wants to say to you. Um, because I, I think it's one thing for me to preach, it's another thing for you to listen. <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, there, there's something to be said about both sides. Um, I don't know if, how long this is for you, but think back when you were 17. Anyone here that's 17 right now? No? Young people, no? No? 17, Ian is 17. What was life like when you were 17? Uh, were, you able, were, were you allowed to dream at that time or were you kind of um, maybe put uh, down to, to just stay silent and, and, and not dream at all? I don't know, what, what was it like for you when you were 17? I was just speaking to Sarah earlier and uh, when she was 17 she had a dream to go to America for a year to do an exchange year uh, with the school. And so her mom was against it, and her stepdad, he, he kind of, yeah, okay, let's, let's try it. And, and she ended up going to, to, to America when she was only 17 uh, for one year on her own to Washington State. Um, and Sarah is not coming from a Christian background, so she's never been to church. She doesn't have any um, background in, in the Christian you know, church like we have. And so when she was 17, she moved to America um, and was put into a Christian family. And Americans love to have scriptures all over on the wall. Have you, have you seen that? Maybe in a movie or when you were over there? It's, it's crazy. They have scriptures everywhere. You know, in the bathroom, in the kitchen. There's scriptures all over the house. And there was a scripture in her bedroom um, with a picture over it. And she thought it was a bit odd. And they told her, you know, we've been praying for you for months, you know, that you come and stay with us for this year. And it's great. You know, and we, we go to church on a Sunday. Um, I don't know if you want to come along or not. It's up to you. And, and so Sarah went, you know, going to church there and actually became a Christian in, in, in America. And she was baptized and then she went home uh, and introduced Jesus to her mom and to her sister. And they got saved and they got baptized. Um, and it's amazing the dream that a 17-year-old can have to go out to a different nation uh, that she didn't know much about and to see everything that God already prepared for her without her knowing. <laughs> um, and Joseph, the person we're going to look at, he had a dream that was so outrageous, so crazy for some at the age of 17 that God gave him at such a young age um, that really changed everything in his life. And I, I would really like to speak, you know, just for a few moments this morning, um, just on the purpose of God in our lives when it comes to the dreams that he, that he has placed in our hearts and Joseph was only 17, and he had an incredible dream. His brothers hated him for it. <laughs> he had another dream. He, they hated him even more. And so we're going to read a few verses from uh, Genesis chapter 37, and we're just going to look into this and just see maybe what God wants to draw out of it and maybe speak to us this morning. 
It says in Genesis 37 verse 1, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilal and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornament rope for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him, here, here we go, all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun, moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I... And your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Joseph dared to dream. Um, it says in Proverbs 29, verse 17, where there is no vision, vision, people perish. In another translation, it says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. And even another translation says, where there is no vision, people run wild. And I think there's something to be said about something to be said about vision and dreams that God gives us in, as individuals. And I think if you see a family that has a God-given vision, everything in that family you can see um, around them. You know, you will catch it. You know, the focus that the family have, the, the determination maybe to, to pursue what God has told them to do. And even the prophet Joel in the Old Testament talks about it, and it is quoted in Acts 2 that says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Joseph was 17. In this prophecy of Joel, it says, Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. 17 and old men's. So I think dreams has nothing to do with age. I think God can speak to you when you're 17 or when you're an old man, like Joel says. So it has nothing to do with age. But I think when father dream dream, and I'm just reading this out of this text here, that your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. I think when fathers lose sight of their dreams, they no longer will instill vision into their sons. Um, and I think, you know, for us, and I'm, I'm just a young father, you, you, you have much more experience in fathering, but I can already see it in my two sons. When I stop maybe seeing some stuff in them, some seeds that God has put inside of them, at such a young age, you know, Levi was playing the guitar, you know, air guitar, <laughs> when he was only one year old, and he was always trying to, like, go on like a little table and, and pretend to play the guitar. I think it's a seed of God in his life that he will play worship one day and play music, you know, that, you know and, and maybe write songs. I don't know, but it's a seed in his life. Um, and we, I think as fathers, we have to speak into that and encourage it 
and, and see the seed come, come to fruit one day. And so when I read this, I was really challenged that I thought, wow, when fathers lose sight of their dream, they no longer will instill vision into their sons. And I think it's a real challenge for fathers to not lose sight of their dreams because it's directly linked to instilling vision into your sons and daughters. And so um, I just really had on my heart that we're going to look into what it means to, to dream in this first session. Um, and so three things about dreamers. First one, your dream will threaten some people. Joseph had a dream and it was threatening to some people. The sad thing is that often our dreams are mostly rebuked or threatened by the people closest to us. And so for, for Joseph, it was his father that rebuked him, but he kept at least the matter in mind. But his brothers, they hated him. And when he shared the second dream, the Bible says they hated, hated him even more. And so I think it's so sad that we live in a time where actually people have visions and dreams that maybe sound outrageous or crazy and brothers and sisters around them discourage them because they maybe experience something else in their lives. And so I think we should really, um, you know, the people that you expect maybe a, a push or an encouragement that says, go for it, you know, make, make the most of your life are the ones that maybe are threatened by your dreams. So that's the first one. You know, your dream will threaten some people. The second one, dreamers never stop dreaming. <laughs> or dreamers dream new dreams. It says in verse 9, then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, moon and 11 stars were, for, were bowing down to me. So first it was just the crop that were bowing down. Now it's the sun, the moon and the 11 stars. He didn't stop dreaming. No matter where you are, I think, you can, you can start dreaming and you should dream in your life, I think. And when our church was, was only four months old, we were dreaming about having our first service. And we were only in our living room and we didn't see anything happening apart from people coming to our door, knocking on, on Wednesday night and saying, you know, can we join you for dinner party? And we thought, okay, we need to dream now for something to see. So we just went around the city asking for a venue to, to hire out or to book. And, and we found this little cinema, 99 seats. And we thought, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? You know, we have 40 people at our dinner parties, 99 seats. If it's half full, it's not too embarrassing. Let's book it. Because we just wanted to invite people to something when they came on a Wednesday night. And we didn't have that. So we, you know, booked this room and, and just waited <laughs> and prayed. And we had this dream of our very first service. And then... On that day, you know, the 13th of December, uh, 2015, I think it was, 130 people showed up to our first service, and we only had 99 seats. And so already then, God was kind of expanding and saying, come on, dream bigger, dream more. And so we thought, wow, that's crazy. Where are all these people coming from? You've got nothing to do on a Sunday morning. Why, you know, why are you doing here? And, and now, three years in, our dreams have changed. You know, we're not dreaming about having a meeting anymore we're dream, dreaming about other things and sometimes it's even embarrassing to speak about it because it sounds outrageous and crazy and if you say like we we have a dream of maybe i don't know one day having 50 locations it sounds absolutely even stupid to speak it out but i think sometimes god just allows us to dream so outrageously that he just pushes us beyond our own limits so that only he can get the credit if it really happens and so i just want to really encourage you um to just 
dream new dreams. And I think God is going to speak to us about that over the next um, 24 hours. Um, I've, I've, I've read a sentence that really challenged me. It said, anyone who loses their vision for the future will always return to their past. Anyone who loses their vision for the future will always return to their past. I think the best days are yet ahead of us. And I think the best days for Derby City Church and for Cologne City Church, for the United Kingdom, for our world, are still ahead of us. We have seen some great stuff in the past, but I believe we're going to see far greater things in the future. I really do. And I think sometimes it's a little bit like driving a car, and you have a massive front screen and a little rear mirror. And, and sometimes we change it around. You know, we, we make the past so big that it becomes our front screen and we look into the future in the rear mirror and say, oh yeah, wow, yeah, maybe this is going to happen one day. Oh yeah, maybe this. But I think God is saying to us, keep the things as they are. <laughs> you know, let the front screen be the front screen. And look to the front and it's a big, wide window. And yes, there are stuff happening in the past and there were good and bad things, and, but they're in the past. And so I think the view is towards the, the future. And I think it's really exciting that when you start to dream, you're going to continue to dream new dreams. The last one, number three, dreamers understand other dreamers. I think that's why it's good to come to a church that has vision, that says, you know, we want to commit to transform the atmosphere of this city. Um, because when there is no vision, I think there's a lot of discouragement. And I'm going to jump into Genesis 40, and Joseph, Joseph by this time is in prison. Um, and we're going to speak about, you know, the difficulty and reality of a dream tonight. But here in prison, he's next to a cupbearer and a baker, and he's still chased by dreams. And it says in, in verse 8, you know, the, the cupbearer and the baker, they, they said to Joseph, we both had, had, had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Joseph had the ability to interpret their dreams. And that led him to first to Potiphar's house and then to Pharaoh's house to fulfill his dream that God has placed on his life. And so I think dreamers understand other dreamers. And I want to just to encourage you to, first of all, start dreaming, but second of all, get around some other dreamers that encourage and support that, that thinking in, in your head. Because one day, um, Joseph was be was being able to give the opportunity to serve at the, at the court of the Pharaoh, the second highest person in command in Egypt. Um, and his family actually came down and bowed down and his, his dream was fulfilled that he had all these years ago. Um, but I think even young people, I just encourage you to dream um, and surround yourself with other dreamers. Don't set yourself limits that God can't use you or God, God can't do stuff in your life. I just really think it's such a great environment. You know, I read a book that talked about sanctified naivety. I, th I think we need more people that have a sanctified naivety. You know, if you look at Noah, it was naive in the eyes of man to build an ark when there was no rain. But it was sanctified because God spoke to him. You know, Moses was standing in, in front of the Red Sea. And he had, didn't have a clue how the people would pass. And and. And he said, you know, he, he did, you know, this thing with his staff and, and, the, and the sea split. And it was naive in many ways for the people maybe that looked. But it was sanctified because God spoke to him. You know, Peter was in the boat and Jesus said, come to me. And he was like, I'm not getting out. Look, you know, it's night and the waves. It's crazy to go out on, this, on, on, on the sea. 
So he was naive in many ways to, to be able to think that he can walk on water. But because God spoke to him, it was sanctified. And I think this sanctified naivety to believe that God can use people that just offer what they have and turn it into a miracle is something that we should treasure and encourage in our churches, in our meetings, when you come together as, as, as life groups, you know, that you see dreams in each other and that you speak into that and say, okay, maybe God has placed this idea into your heart. We're going to pray and we're going to believe for it. And even though it sounds crazy, um, we believe it's sanctified. So sanctified naivety, I think it's such an important thing um, because your dream determines your destiny. Three things you need to see a dream come true. First of all, you need a will to live. I think Jesus, uh, Joseph, Jesus as well, He had a will to live. There were plenty of things trying to kill his dream. And many things, I think, are lining up to kill the dream that maybe God has placed in your and in my heart. The brothers wanted to kill him. Uh, the slavery wanted to kill him. The prison wanted to kill him. But he kept this will to live alive in his heart. He was in prison for 13 years, holding on to the dream that God gave him when he was such a young guy, 17 years of age. And I think we need to have the will to live Second of all, we need the will to succeed. Um, because I don't think God gives us a dream to fail. I think God gives us dreams to succeed. In Genesis 41, now Joseph is in front of the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh says to Joseph, You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signature ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Wow, what a day for Joseph. I think God will give, uh, give us success when he speaks. So we need the will to live, the will to succeed. And last, uh, thirdly, we need the will to serve. And I think in Joseph's life, he always had this attitude of serving others. First of all, he served his father by looking after the animals. Then he served as a, as a servant in Potiphar's house um, faithfully for many years. Then he served in prison. You can see that by the way he interacts with the other guys, you know, interpreting their dreams. He's, he served the, uh, in, in prison. Then he served in a time of famine in the entire nation for most of us. And so I think most people have the will to live. I think for most of us that's true uh, because we have this survival instinct in us. So we have the will to live. Um, it comes natural. I think less people want the will to succeed, succeed because I think um, that we live in a time where people want the success but they don't want the price that you have to pay to get to the success. And I think this is a really challenging thing for us in these days, that you look at stuff that is working and, you know, it's, it looks great, but actually there's always a price tag attached to it. A price tag for you personally, a price tag for you as a family, as a team, as a church, as a city, as a nation. I think whenever people are trying to push forward and fulfill a dream that maybe God has placed in their heart, there's a price to pay for that. And I think we live in times where people love the success, but as soon as you tell them about the price that it costs you, they say, oh, I'm out. You go for it. Bless you, brother. You know, it's good for you, but I'm out. And I found that really challenging, even in, in our city where we come from, in the context and the conversation that we have with people, that they love maybe what's happening and they love, I don't know, retweeting a picture or commenting something. Um, but when they 
are on team <laughs> and they realize actually we start at 4.30 on a Sunday morning to set up and to prepare the house. They say, oh, brother, <laughs> well, I, I'm out. I've got a busy life and I've got two kids. So, you know, you go for it, guys. But, I, you know, I stay at home. And because there's a price attached to it. I think there's a price to attach to a dream. Um, and I think it's really key for us that we understand that we have to have the will to, success, to succeed if we want our dream to see come true. And success is a biblical word. I looked into it a little bit. Um, and I don't know how you define it. Maybe you define it differently to the world. But God, for example, gave Joshua a big dream as well. And he says in Joshua 1 verse 8, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And I think it's possible, if it's possible to have good success, it must be possible to have bad success as well. And I think bad success is when you make it about you. And it's not about you. It never was, it never will be about you. It's about something, something far bigger than that. And so I think it's, it's uh, for us to understand that God wants to use us to see his dream come true in our lives. We need to have the will to live, the will to um, succeed, succeed <laughs> and, and the will to serve. The disciples, for example, great example. They were arguing at some point, who's the greatest? You know, and they were, it must have been a funny conversation, you know, because they were sitting in a circle probably and just arguing back and forth. Okay, I'm the best, you know, I've done this and this and this. And, and now I'm better than you. And then Jesus comes and he says to them this amazing sentence that I've heard in a particular way for many, many years until, you know, I had almost like a moment of revelation when I, when I saw it in a totally different light. He says... If any of you want to be great, let him serve one another, serve the other. All my life, I've listened to that verse and had the focus on serving. And I think it's, it's a valid point. But Jesus starts that sentence by saying, if any of you want to be great, let him serve others. And it's a really challenging question, but I think it's so important. Do you want to be great? Because if not, then this sentence doesn't apply to you. Because Jesus says, if any of you want to be great, let them serve. So I think there's something to be said about ambition and greatness that we kind of underestimate or undervalue or appreciate in the Christian circles. Because we don't want to come last, no, that's, you know, but we don't want to be first. You know, we want to be somewhere in the middle, you know, nice and easy in the middle. Why can't we say we want to have the best service that the city of Derby has seen through the Hope Center? You know, why can't we say we want to have the best community of people that encourages other people to live and to have a new start in life in the entire city or state of Derbyshire? I, I think there's nothing wrong with ambition. The way to get there is to serve. It's important to add that. <laughs> It's not just good to have ambition. But I think to see this whole sentence in the context is, if any of you want to be great, let them serve one another. So I think there's nothing wrong with having big dreams or ambitious thoughts in business, in life, wherever you are, where God has placed you to become maybe the best there is. But the way to get to that place is to serve and to have a, an attitude, a heart of servanthood. And I think if you combine them, then actually God can put you into places and in positions that you've never thought you would be able to be in because you have this heart of a servant, but you have ambition to do something for God that will change a nation or a generation. And I think we live in such exciting times. In Germany at the moment, it's unbelievable what we see in terms of church growth. 
We have churches around the world, so strong, east of Germany, where people said you will never be able to do anything there. Communism was so strong for so many decades in that area. No way you can do a church. I have a friend, um, one friend, I have a few friends, but one of the friends, he's in Leipzig. Um, he doesn't know where, he, he, every Sunday they're running out of space. They, they don't know where to put all those people. They have hundreds of salvations every year for the past four or five years. And they don't know what to do with it. They have opened a church in the third city now. They already have a church in Leipzig and in Dresden. And now they're opening a third one. And they have multiple services on multiple locations in each city. And they just don't know what to do with all the people that are coming. And so it is such an exciting time right now to build a church. Young people, it's incredible to see we have some events that were just attended with a few hundreds. There are now thousands. And you just sense there's a, 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 a special time at the moment in Europe where God is just pouring out something fresh into our countries. And I think this is the, one of the most exciting times at the moment to build church or to be in church. Um, and so the greatest gift when it comes to your dreams um, is the Holy Spirit. And I think I just want to kind of speak a few moments of it, because when it comes to your dreams, and we're going to speak about dreams um, a lot over these next few hours, um, I think your best friend when it comes to your dreams is your Holy Spirit, because it's his language. He loves to, he loves to dream. In, in John 16, verse 13, it says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only on what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. To come. He will tell you what is in the future. What is to come. Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I will pull out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Prophecy. It's about the future. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. The Holy Spirit, first of all, will guide you. He will guide you into all truth. So I encourage you to be a person of the Spirit. Let him fill you afresh, like we talked about this morning. Have a routine, a rhythm of constantly being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't happen automatically. We need to have good rhythms in our lives to be filled with the Spirit ongoingly. There was a great word this morning about systems and spring, I thought. You know, to have this spring flowing through us, it's so, so important, I think. Um, John 16, he says, you know, he, I tell you things to come. And, and there's such a, it's such a fascinating thought because the Bible talks about when a son asks his father for a bread, wouldn't he give him a stone? And how much more would your heavenly father give those who ask him? And I trust, or I really believe that if we ask the Holy Spirit to give us something, he, he doesn't give us something else. He gives us what we ask him for. Um, and so, we just felt over the past years as well, time and time again, that the Holy Spirit has guided us differently to what we wanted to do. We wanted to do this and we felt the Holy Spirit say something else. And so to have this dependency on the Holy Spirit is so important. Second of all, the Holy Spirit will convict you. John 16 verse 8 says, When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin, righteousness and judgment. I think the Holy Spirit will convict us of what is right and wrong in our pursuit to fulfill our dreams. I think Joseph had many moments in his life where the Holy Spirit convicted him what was the right thing to do and what was the wrong thing to do. And so I think in our dream, it is so precious um, that we need the Holy Spirit to convict us. And dreams are very different. Your dream could be to be the best neighbor that your neighborhood has ever seen. That's a dream. 
You know, maybe God has put something in you to write a book. And I'm believing that God is releasing some stuff this weekend that maybe will take you further than you ever thought in terms of dreaming. I think God allows us to dream. Maybe God wants to, maybe what God wants to birth a dream of, of starting a ministry or, or, or maybe um, finding a solution. Maybe in medicine, maybe in, in, in politics or wherever, maybe in business or maybe in, in, social, in social life. But I, I think it's so important to allow ourselves to, to dream and to allow God to speak to us, to challenge us and to put something in us that is from divine origin. Um, and then lastly, the Holy Spirit is helping us. I think that's so good news. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Uh, in the Greek, it says paraclete, and there's many translations for that. It's comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener. It is so, so important, I think, to have the Holy Spirit so close to us when we, when we live life and when we make decisions, when we, um, when we are a father or a husband, when we are in the office or when we are a neighbor. I think to have someone that is so close to us, it's so important. You're the only one. Tell you what, being a dreamer can be a very lonely place. Sometimes you're the only one that is seeing it and no one else. And people are speaking against it. People feel threatened by it. People that are closest to you Uh, will make comments that want you to quit the dream. And so to have the Holy Spirit on your side that comforts you and that speaks life into you, I think makes all the difference. Um, in, in Acts 1 verse 8 says, you will be my witness and you shall receive power. You know, the Holy Spirit has the, has the potential to release power, something to explode inside of you and make your dream come into reality. And I think that's such an important thing for us that when we think about dreams, God allows you to dream, whether you're 17 or 77. I think there is never an age limit to dreams. And I wonder what dreams are inside of you. You know, if I look around the room, I wonder what God has placed inside of you, what dreams he maybe wants to birth or maybe wants to rekindle. And we really want to take, you know, these next 24 hours to allow God and Jesus to just move into that area And to rekindle some of the dreams. Because once you've got it, life is going to change. The decisions are going to change. Your focus are going to change. The direction of your life is going to change. And all of a sudden, you've got something to, to run towards. And I tell you what, I don't know how, where, where this is going, and even in, in our place in Cologne. But I tell you one thing, we're going to be there. We're going to continue to be there and turn up week after week after week. Because God has called us to that place. And we are committed to it. No matter what is happening. If, if, if all storm or hell breaks loose, we're still going to be there. Because we know that this is a dream that God has given us. And I think if you understand the power of dreams in your life and what God wants to place in you, then it's unbelievable to see maybe the potential of all that God wants to do in us. And if we surround ourselves with other dreamers, encourage that in our places. And I mean, who just wants to do church? You know, we really want to make an impact into our city. I can't think of anything more boring than, than just doing church. I mean, I'm easily bored. Then maybe that's a problem. But, I, you know, I think we need to have this kind of dream and this mission, this drive inside of us that accepts the price, accepts the challenge, but actually says we're going to make a difference in our generations. We're going to commit to moving things forward, even if it's really hard work. And it is hard work. To see a dream come true is hard work. It's not easy. 
you know, the harvest is plentiful, but few are the workers. And so we don't just come to sit in church, we come to participate. And we need you to be some part of the body in this church because we want the dream come true to transform the atmosphere of our city. And I believe that there are neighbors and people waiting to fill those empty seats. Wouldn't it be amazing if your neighbor sits on that seat next year when we come to a weekend away, the neighbor that you've been praying for for so many years, he comes to, to the church and he encounters Jesus, he makes the decisions, he gets baptized and filled with the Spirit, and all of a sudden he fills an empty seat. And I think that's the kind of mindset that I want to encourage you to have, that all the empty seats, even in this room, are going to be filled by people that you reach out to because you live the dream that God has placed inside of you. And I think if people start to do that, you're going to see incredible stuff happening. Incredible things are happening. You know, we, we only hear stuff in, um, f from maybe what's on the surface, but there's so much more going on underneath, you know, of people sowing seeds and, and inviting people. And we shared two stories yesterday of people, you know, finding Jesus. But there are so many more thousands of seeds that have been sown. And I think we're going to see a harvest that is going to change our nation. I really believe that. It's not just a statement. I really believe that. That the areas where the entire areas is Christian. Because God has moved in such a powerful way that they can't help themselves but see God. Like we have people come to our service and it's a different culture. I understand that. It's a different context. But we have so many people come to our church. They've never been to church. You do. And they well, not once. Not even as children, because it's not just something that you do. And they come into our church services, and they cry the entire time. And I, I th sometimes think, oh, man, the worship was a bit off today, you know. And I look, I look into the crowd, and people are sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I'm like, wow, what is going on? And you can see, like, last Sunday, you know, I had a text of someone on Friday that says, I met a, a woman, 75 years old, in in something like boots, you know, um, and, and, and they were talking about life, and all of a sudden, he had a word for her, and he spoke to her about Jesus, and she gave her life to Jesus in boots, right there and then, and he invited her to church the next morning, he said, oh, tomorrow morning we have a, ch you know, a, a church service in, in the cinema, and, and come along to that if you want, and she said, oh, okay, you know, and, and she was crying her eyes out in, in boots, and then On Sunday morning, after the first service, an, an elderly lady came to me, and I've never see, seen her before. I've just received the text, and I've, you know, I would just reply to it. We have like a prayer, uh, you know, WhatsApp group. And this old lady came to me, and it was that woman from the day before. And they came to me after the first service and said, Oh, you know, Pastor Dom, it's, it's just the most incredible atmosphere that I've ever been in in my life. People have treated me so bad for 75 years. I was abused. I was left alone. I, was, you know, I, had, I had all these things against me. I had my husband left you know, with, uh, with an affair. And, and yesterday I met one, one of your members and we prayed together in boots. And my, I feel like Jesus is washing me clean. <laughs> she, I, I don't know if she actually knew what she was saying, but... She said, you know, I think he's washing me clean from the inside, and I've been crying nonstop ever since. And I wonder what he can still do with my life at 75. And I said, Ingrid, great German name, the best years are still ahead of you. I think God is going to do some incredible stuff through your testimony. I think many, many people will be impacted by hearing your story. And I think that is so important because this guy... He was always dreaming about going out into all these different stores and telling people about Jesus. And he always talked to me about it. And we need to go more out into the stores and, and you know, preach the gospel and talk to people. And I said, yeah, great, man. You do it. Go for it. Um, and, 
And sometimes I went with him and sometimes I didn't, but I just encouraged him and said, go for it. And, and then to see the harvest of that is just amazing. So some other, it's just one story, and I'm sure you have all other stories as well. And we're going to look into some other stuff in, in a minute when, when Sarah's going to come to do the second, the second session. But my heart really was that you understand that um, God loves to give us dreams. And it might be threatening to some people. Some people might not like it. Um, but if we have the will to live, the will to succeed, and the will to serve, I think we will see something happening in our communities and our cities that will change the direction of some people for eternity. And that's what we're in for. Some conversations you will have this week have the opportunity to change eternity. And I mean, if you think about that, it, it blows my mind. Because the life on this earth is so short. But eternity, <laughs> it's going to be a long time. And I... And I read this thing the other day that says, I don't just want my person to show up in heaven, I want my life to show up in heaven. And I think that's such a good, and good statement to stay focused, that actually I want my life to show up in heaven. And I invite there will be people in heaven waiting for you to say thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for allowing me to have so much of your time and Thanks for believing in me when no one else did. Thanks for, you know, counseling me and praying for me. Thanks for, we just, I just want to pray maybe at the end over your dream. Uh, maybe we can stand together. And I just want to ask God to maybe release something fresh at the beginning of this new day um, about your dreams. Let's stand. Hands in front. It's one thing for me to pray, but it's another thing to receive. So maybe as a sign, we can just put out our hands in front of us in order that we receive something fresh. Um, because our posture says a lot as well, I think, about how we want to position ourselves before God. And Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you that you are the life giver and the dream giver of so many dreams that you've placed in our lives. And I just want to pray right now for fresh dreams to come into our lives, God. I pray over the dream that maybe we have lost when we were 17, that we kind of had when we were young, but we're kind of not holding on to it anymore. I pray that you would birth something fresh in us. We pray, God, that you would um, help us to focus on the dream that you've given us. And Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you um, to guide us, to convict us, and to help us to fulfill that dream and to make a difference in the world that you've placed us in. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would impart something fresh into our hearts an idea, um, maybe a dream, uh, maybe a vision, maybe something that God wants to use you to make a difference, whether that's a book, as I said earlier, maybe it's, maybe it's a song that God wants to put in your heart and you need to start writing it. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's something that helps us to connect with people better and, and brings a solution of maybe sharing faith in a new and a fresh way. Maybe it's some, some solutions in, in, in an area of life that, that makes a difference. Maybe it's for you to become a professional athlete. <laughs> Maybe it's for you to, to pursue a goal that you've always dreamt about, of being self-employed or of making this job work. Maybe it's a dream of becoming a parent or a grandparent or um, an uncle or an aunt, a husband or a wife. And, and Lord, we just want to speak into that. And I want to release that in this room right now. 
I want to release dreams, Father. I pray that you help us to see beyond limitations and restrictions. And I pray that you help us to lift our eyes to see you and what you have for us. Help us to dream big dreams, Lord, to take risks, to do bold moves, to have this sanctified naivety, to make a change in this generation, God, in our generation, in Jesus, in our countries, so that the world may see that you are alive, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks.